From the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, and we're visiting this morning with Northern Inner Mountains' Ben Roberts, who's going to be talking about effective use of visualization. Ben, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me again. You know, the way that introduction was going, I should have been visualizing myself speaking. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's definitely a good... Uh, we call it, uh, you can also call it mental rehearsal is another <laughs> word for it. So when you have a, have a line or something that's not rolling off your tongue or not going right, you can rehearse it. Exactly. So, so. let's kind of get into what exactly visualization is. For sure. Um, so first, kind of like when we talked, when we spoke about this uh, a little while back, I prefer to call it imagery um, just because that the idea is that that's encompassing the senses. Um, but, you know, a rose by any other ro- any other name is always as sweet, um, I think. So, by any name, it's we're 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 doing we're imagining stuff. We're going through things in our heads, um, whatever um, whatever that is. Whether that's a sport thing that we're doing, a, a performance thing, say uh, running lines, preparing for an interview, um, or I don't know, imagining asking somebody out on a date, whatever it might be. We're uh, imagining that and uh, and going through practicing it. So I know watching the Olympics, especially when, you know, the downhill is coming up and you see the racers at the top of the course moving their hands and really going through the course, uh, is that really visualization that we need to bring into what we do as teachers? I think it can be. Um, it's, you know, you look at any of what we do and, and we have such a, an awesome quiver of tools and I think this is... You know, none of them are ones that we need. You know, that we would use exclusively, um, constantly. But it's 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 I think a pretty valuable tool to have in your kit um, to bring out both for your own performance as a as a teacher, um, as well as to be able to work in sometimes with the folks that that we are teaching and working with. Now, I think normally when I think of imagery or visualization. It's uh, really to do with sports and active movement, but I like what you're saying about really using it as rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, that's a big part of it. So if you look at the purposes that that it can it can fill, um, that performance preparation, or it can be a performance rehearsal that you see, you know, the the athletes at the start of a race um, course doing. Um, but there's also other, it's something that fits in very much into the learning process. Um, it fits into the, um, the process of maybe building confidence, imagining a successful version of something happening. And again, that can be a movement thing, or it can be something that you're just need to feel some confidence going into. Like that's a silly example, but maybe asking somebody out on a date, um, or taking a test at school or, um, or getting ready for a job interview. And I'm just sitting here thinking what a perfect tool to use before an exam. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so those are all, those are all places that, that it fits as a skill. And that's why, again, that encompassing the various senses can be so important because in some cases it's very, maybe very tactile and those, that, those body senses, those sensations are really key. And in other cases, maybe it's more about, you know, what you're, what you're seeing, what it's, what you're smelling, um, what the sounds are. 
and being able to incorporate all those senses um, makes it a very powerful, powerful tool and allows you to make it as, as real as possible, which usually is where it becomes as useful as possible. Now, I titled this The Effective Use of Visualization. What are some ways we can do this to make it more powerful and work for us? Yeah. Well, and I wanted to kind of talk about, I, I like for these things, I'd like folks to have a clear takeaway that they can use for themselves or, 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 in, their, um, or in their work sometimes with students. And, and the, the big one is um, practicing it. It's a skill. So it's you're not something you've done before, then starting to try and, and, and do it at a basic level so that you can gain skillfulness and become more advanced. If you're somebody, you know, like yourself, um, who uses this tool a lot um, to look for areas where you can maybe use it better or use it differently to 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 greater effect, depending on where you know what your specific goals are. You know, I, I like the way you that. said using that in different situations because I mean I am so I really use visualization, especially with my bicycle racing, and I mean uh, I know before race across the West this year. I uh, really was concerned about pacing myself and so would visualize myself on a mountain pass, uh, getting passed by someone else and not having to chase them, um, but also not being intimidated by somebody riding faster than I was because I wanted to be going at my own pace at that time and not get caught up in a race. And it really worked. Yeah. And that's a good, that's the other piece I talk about incorporating all the senses, but for a lot of these situations, and I think that, you know, you, you bring up exam preparation, um, incorporating the emotional response is a huge piece of that. Um, endurance athletes that I work with, what you just shared is a super common experience, you know, of you come around a corner on your, uh, you know, on a trail on your bike race or your foot race, and you see somebody out ahead of you, and your race plan is not to, you know, burn the candle right there. You're going to you're going to keep your pace, but maybe your emotional response is, I want to reel that person in or that person's passing me. I better step it up when that's not your race plan. So, you know, knowing maybe places where you are, maybe your emotional response goes against what you know you should be doing as you manage whatever your performance plan is. You know, that's a, those are excellent places to rehearse and, and go through that process, you know, a big one, you know, you think about exam prep and, you know, what's maybe for you, for any given person, what's an intimidating task or scenario that you can anticipate might come up, say, you know, rolling up to, you know, the bump run that you think you're going to be taking your, your, you know, your score run on and knowing that you're taking it in the spring and it might still be frozen, you know, and how maybe what your reaction to that might be or your reaction to um, knowing that there's maybe an examiner or a member of your group that somehow intimidates you or brings out some part of you that may not be effective. So how can you kind of just take yourself through imagining a version of that experience? And like you say, kind of managing yourself through that in the way that you know, your performance plan needs, you know, that you need to, to be effective. Now the, uh, atmosphere for when you're doing your visualization. I'm, I'm assuming it should be a quiet time where you're really by yourself and you can get into a deep concentration. It, it, absolutely. So when I look at this as look at this as a learning progression, um, the first piece is you know, and, and maybe backing it up a tiny bit, looking at 
you know, where someone like yourself is at that does this a fair amount versus somebody that's maybe listening to this and you're like, I've heard about that. I've seen those, you know, I've seen footage of those athletes at the top of the course, you know, moving their hands around. I want to try it. You know, your, your first st- step is just assessing and seeing where you're at. You know, where, where are you able to be vivid? Where are you challenged to be vivid? Where are you in control? Where are you challenged to be in control? Um, those two measures, that controllability and um, vividness are pretty key. So, you know, running through a few things, seeing where you're at, and then if it, from a learning standpoint, um, I like, you know, you can look them up and some, maybe something for us to talk about another time, but doing like a mindfulness exercise, kind of taking, taking five and just getting yourself in the moment. Um, and definitely at first, a quiet place is a place to do that. Um, and then you can roll into maybe taking yourself through some practice exercises. Um, one thing, I mean, to that bigger picture of things, um, I'll suggest that folks, once they get some skills, you know, the real world is seldom that quiet. So, and it fits in with mindfulness as a technique as well. Can you go sit in a, in a crowded area, you know, maybe a, maybe a busy coffee shop or, you know, place where there's lots of people walking around and doing stuff and just kind of pause and just, just be in the moment with the world going by around you and then go to the place that you need to go to is a pretty good test of that sort of your ability to work within yourself um, to get to the places that you need to be. Now, Ben, as someone who teaches this, what are your opinions on point of view? Uh, what do you have your clients, how do, how do they envision themselves uh, that works best in your opinion, uh, third person or from first person? Well, you know, they both are pretty effective. There's some more recent research that suggests that that a third-person view, kind of a God's-eye view, um, is more effective for a lot of things, definitely for motor learning purposes. Um, So that's – I'll start with working with folks with where they're at, but once we get to a certain level of skillfulness, I will say, let's let's work in the other one, whichever one isn't your go-to. point of view, then let's, let's work on that other one because it adds, it adds a nice dimension to somebody's ability to experience. Um, if you're in the third person, then that's probably the best, that's probably where you're going to spend more of your time. If you're coming at it first person, um, it will be good to, after you get a little bit of experience under your belt and get comfortable with some of these processes to start looking for ways to experiment with that third person view of yourself. And that's a tough one because I've always done this from a first person point of view and I actually really want to try it from the third person point of view, which I think with skiing especially would be much more effective for me. Yeah. And so, and I think part of, I have a suspicion that part of why this is, is the research until fairly recently was like, yeah, the perspective is pretty good for the most part. Maybe there's certain things that are better for one thing or another. I, my suspicion is, is if you look at our video games and just our point of view cameras and drones and all this stuff that we've had just blow up in the last 10 plus years, um, I think that that's playing a role here. So you can, folks that are, you know, exposed to that type of media a lot, maybe that's a more natural place to go. And maybe for those of us that are a little bit older, <laughs> that aren't <laughs> as accustomed to that media or whatever, you know, going and going and, and pulling up some some point of view footage of um, of skiers or riders, and 
you know, if you have an opportunity, maybe getting a little bit of yourself, you know, having somebody follow you with a, with a GoPro and just to kind of start, because looking at it, going, stepping into that learning progression side of things, one of the places that you, you'll go is you'll imagery, rehearse, go through a, an experience that you've already had is a good way to kind of put yourself through the paces, as it were. So if you have a if you have an opportunity to have somebody follow cam you for a run or two, you remember what that run was like. You can watch it, and then you can you know turn off the turn off the uh, the screen and you know close your eyes and take yourself through it and and see how how well do those three experiences line up. is a is an excellent practice tool. Now, there actually are some physiological changes that happen when you do this effectively, aren't there? Absolutely. Um, your muscles are firing, even if it's at a very minuscule percentage of if they were actually like firing for the purpose of skiing or riding. Um, and so all those neural pathways, those signals are being sent back and forth. Those areas of your brain are being activated. Um, and to some of those emotional experiences and processes, those um, chemical reactions associated with some of those emotions are taking place in your body. So it's a, it's a very real thing. And that's where, you know, kind of that, again, that practice side of it um, allows you to make it as real as possible and, and gets you accustomed to taking yourself through those experiences. Now, Kind of a takeaway for, for those of us who haven't used this before, again, have heard of it and maybe want to try it, um, just some good ways to get started and bring it into your daily routine. Yeah, so the, the, the big one I like to go with is, is taking, at first, setting it aside and doing it separately. Just picking, setting aside for six weeks, three times a week, say, a period of time to just to go through it. And first, assess, see where you're at. You know, just try it. Just Say I'm gonna I'm gonna imagine myself skiing a run, or you know, riding riding that, and then um, see is, are you able to do it vividly? Are you in control, or is it kind of all over the place? Get a sense of that because then you can call back on that later and see how far you've gotten, and and I think you'll surprise yourself and feel pretty good about this. Then clear your head. I like to go through simple tasks, and starting with something that you that you that you've done that you can then just repeat. So I'll say. You find a spot um, and walk around. You know, walk, you know, walk around your house or the room that you're in, or go out, walk to the bathroom and back if you're in an office kind of environment, whatever it is. Um, and then, and then sit back down or, or go to your quiet place and close your eyes and take yourself through that experience. Watch yourself doing it or do it through your own eyes, whichever perspective you're in, and go through a, a a, round, a few rounds of that, maybe adding in, I like to add in um, when I'm working with people on this training, them will add in like textures and things, maybe have, you know, try and I like to go outside and, and somewhere where like we're going to do a walk a little path and we're going to walk on the grass for some and then we're going to be on the concrete a little bit and maybe somewhere a little bit uneven and we're going to touch a couple things. So you're kind of incorporating different stuff. Um, Maybe if there's a fountain or something that makes noise, make sure you go past that, you know, so, you, so we can go practice those things and incorporate some of these different senses and different experiences. And then once we get 
some, you know, doing, practicing that for a little while, say, you know, a week or two, taking yourself through it, getting comfortable with that, maybe getting comfortable with a few different viewpoints. Then you can start putting it together into more sport-specific aspects. You can do simple things, and then you can make them more um, complex. And a big big step, and this is, I think, fits for somebody that's coming at it as a relative beginner or somebody like yourself that's been doing it a lot, is can you um, go from doing things that you've already done to putting yourself in new situations, doing something, imagining yourself doing something that you haven't done before. Um, and how does that go for you? And that, that to me is where this becomes really powerful because we're using this a lot as a tool for things. If we're learning something, it's because we haven't done it as well as we're trying to. If we're preparing for a competition or a performance situation, we haven't, you know, we haven't performed. We haven't taken that exam yet. Uh, even if, if or we haven't had that run of our exam yet, if you're there in the moment. So all of these having novel experiences that you haven't gone through that exact experience of becomes a real place to start taking yourself and kind of dipping in. If you're, if it's a task that you're, it's a, a thing that you're pretty comfortable with doing, then, then adding complexity by making it new and novel. If it's something that um, maybe you're just getting comfortable, maybe making it simpler, you know, removing some of the complexity from it to then build on. Hopefully that all kind of weaves together. So Ben, in conclusion, any further takeaways? Yeah, just once you kind of get through um, taking yourself through some of these things, you can't necessarily practice it all the time forever. Just making sure that you revisit regularly, both in your training routine and in your performance routine. Um, And remembering, I think we pull these tools out sometimes when they're very serious. You know, and just like a lot of our learning stuff in our snow sports world, take yourself, imagine yourself having a fun run, you know, imagine yourself doing something cool that just, just for the, just for the fun of it. Um, and I think you'll find that that's a good way to practice, but it's also, um, it makes it, it makes it fun. Ben Roberts. Thanks very much for joining us on first chair this morning. I look forward to meeting you in person finally at fall conference coming up this week. I'm looking forward to it and, and even imagining it now, Georgia. Thanks so much for the call. All right, you've been listening to First Chair from the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.